Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Cowboys Chat with Shap. My name is Zach Schaphorst. With me is Vinny Tadero. And uh, for today's episode, uh, like last week, we've got a game to talk about and a, another Hard Knocks episode to talk about. And also some pretty potentially significant news. Uh, Adam Scheffner reporting yesterday um, about Dak Prescott that I think we, we definitely need to weigh in on. But um, so a lot, lot to cover. But as always, we'll start off with a trivia question. And this is my week to ask the question. So uh, I'm, I'm going a different direction from usual. I'm, I'm curious. You might get it real quick or it might stump you. Um, this is a defensive end who was drafted by the Cowboys out of the U, the University of Miami. Okay. Start with that. Uh, defensive tackle drafted by defensive the Cowboys. End. Defensive, defensive end. Defensive end drafted yeah. by the Cowboys out of the University of Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Jim Jeffcoat. Nope. No. Um, he was... He was a fifth-round pick for the Cowboys. Oh. No, I'll probably know it when you say his name. I'll give you one more. I'll give you a twofer in the the next ten. Um, so he was, so he is now on the Cleveland Browns and he appeared in five games with the Dallas Cowboys. Actually, I'll give you one more hint if you don't get this. Five games to the Cowboys. Yeah. No, it's not coming to me. Okay, this is the last hint. Um, his, he has the same name as a, I would say infamous, slash famous, depending on your perspective, baseball player. Nope. No, it's not coming. Joe Jackson. Oh God, forgot yeah. all about him. Yeah, that, oh, that's well, he's the, got the same name as the the singer. Oh, that that too. I, I was thinking shoeless Joe Jackson, baseball player. But yeah, yeah, that probably would have tipped it off more so for that, you. That, yeah, that would have gone. That's more of your. I like Joe Jackson. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's definitely the n- most r- recent cowboy that I've done. But I thought he's kind of. <laughs> random obscure guy i was um, wondering what happened to him yeah he, he i kind of liked him he, he had like bradley and i vibes <laughs> like he was uh kind of productive in college worth a late round flyer i thought but didn't uh didn't last too long so i i'd say let's just jump right into the the dac report that um adam Scheffner reported i want to say it was two days ago 
and basically he said the the word out of Dallas is that Dak Prescott might not full not fully be back the entire season and a lot of <laughs> a lot of uproar coming from that um I mean I I think the kind of obvious one is that he's not saying that he's not going to he Adam Schefter's not saying Dak's going to miss the entire season. He's saying he's not going to be a hundred percent for the entire season. Um, well, yeah. I mean, and the problem there is not only his running, but you've got to worry about his mechanics. Right. Yeah, and I think you know what part of his his body is not going to be a hundred percent. That that's going to play a big part. Um, and, you know, I think the the big thing, you know, it it's one of these, it reminds me a little of, of Scheffner when he kind of broke the Aaron Rodgers thing around the draft. Like, I think it's, it's technically probably true, but I think he's also kind of spinning it in a way to get a lot of buzz. And, you know, the fact is no player in the NFL is going to be 100% healthy the whole season. And until you see him play, it really doesn't mean anything to me. It, it's kind of a, a non-story at this point. Now, if after four or five weeks, point, he looks yeah. he looks bad. Then then you got to, you know, then, you, then it's worth bringing back up, I think. I, I think of, like, the opposite ends of the spectrum when I think of, quarterback nagging injuries I think of 2008 with Tony Romo where after the season it was revealed he played through an injury and he looked bad he looked he was coming off a really good season in 2007 and you know especially down the stretch in 2008 he was pretty bad Um, we obviously ended with that disaster against the Eagles but I remember him against the, the Steelers looking like shit against the Ravens. Um, so that that's one end of the spectrum. But he did play every game. And then, you know, last year with Brady. Brady was playing on a bad MCL, whether it was torn or not. You know, he was hurt the whole year, and he had one of his best years, I would say. So, yeah, that that's my, my thoughts, you know, until – until we know more, it really doesn't mean anything to me. What are your thoughts, Vinny? Well, I'm worried that he's not the next Carson Wentz. Yeah. I first the ankle, which was one of the stupidest injuries ever incurred. Yeah. Because uh, I, I'm not going to go through it, but I've been saying, you know. Yeah. In, we've Covered been talking about that times. for years. Yeah. Okay, that he was an injury waiting to happen, and it was totally un, totally avoidable. And I was opposed to re-signing him in the first place a couple of years ago. I thought that they should trade him, but they've put invested a hell of a lot of money in him, and if he has problems, they're going to be incredibly burned. Yeah. Just like the Eagles were with Carson Wentz. Yep. And, and you're looking at spending another high draft pick on another on a quarterback. 
or going and spending big bucks in free agency. Um, I don't, I don't know if the Cowboys are stupid enough to have given him that contract, knowing that uh, his ankle was really going to be a problem. I would be, it would surprise me if they were that stupid. It wouldn't shock me, but it would surprise me. So uh, it's not something that I really am worried about. I think he's going to be okay. I, I think we got to look at the lat strain too. Yeah. And uh, but he's got to go out there and uh, he's got to deliver. He's got a lot to prove. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, in my mind, I've kind of put Dak down as a given for for playing at least as good as like his average over the last two years. But if he even regresses to like where he was in twenty eighteen. We're, we're done. I, I don't think our defense, even in the best iteration that I can envision, is going to make up for, uh, you know, just average quarterback play. He's got to be, I mean, to, for us to really compete for a Super Bowl, I think he's got to be elite. But for us to even, you know, win a division, I think he's got to be, you know, very good, near elite, and probably have the best season that he's had. And, and he's got, you know, the the pieces in place, I would say. Um, the one thing I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on that's kind of surprised me. And, and, you know, the first game I was like, yeah, this is maybe just a fluke. But now going on three games of pretty suspect offensive line play in the preseason. And, and this one, we had all of our starters. They're going to be okay. Okay. So you're not concerned Okay. They're going to be okay. If Tyron Smith stays healthy, especially if Tyron Smith stays healthy. Yeah. They'll be, uh, I, th- I think they'll be very good. Uh, I think uh, Connor Williams says he's not the player I want at left guard, but he's become better than I thought he would. And I think Tyler Biotish is going to be a, a, a fine center, if not a pro bowler. But I think he's going to be a, a really solid center. And the other guys we all know about. Right. Um, I don't. My I guess my biggest. I I would have a couple questions at as far as the offense goes. I would have a couple questions, but they're not huge ones. One is I want to see if Blake Jarwin can earn is is going to be rotated with Dalton Schultz, or if he really nails down the starting job. Yep. That's going to be interesting, and because Dalton Schultz was solid last year. Yeah. And I think Jeremy Sprinkle will be the number three guy. It would have been Sean McKeon, but I think right. he's going to go on to that. IR, um, at least a temporary IR. How many? Do you know how many guys can go on temporary IR? I don't, not offhand. Because uh, I guess Gallimore and McKeon would be the two guys they want to put on that. But I also wonder how long they got to be on it. Yeah. I I just I would hate to spend roster spots on guys who can't play yet. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Um, if you don't do that, I think it's pretty easy to come up with a 53-man roster at this point. I think we probably almost exactly agree as to who makes the team. Yeah. Um, and the other question, I think, is uh, how much does Tony Pollard cut into Zeke Elliott's time? Yep. I mean, the, the one thing that I thought was was a good um, kind of 
was actually insightful and, and interesting. Uh, one of the few things from the first episode of Hard Knocks was Mike McCarthy basically saying that he didn't want to give Zeke any touches in preseason and in, in offseason, um, which I, I actually kind of like because, because A, you don't really, you don't totally know what you've gotten, Tony Pollard, in terms of can this guy, he's shown flashes in, in limited yeah. you know appearances but can he carry somewhat of a workload if needed he showed he had one game last year where he for the most part did um and also zeke has a ton of wear and tear on him and my guess is if he's got that mentality now i could see him also wanting to you know extend zeke's career we, we've still got him for four years on his contract but we could probably get out earlier i think um yeah i I think i I would expect pollard to have more more carries this year just to keep try and keep zeke fresh especially in a 17 game season um i'd see them wanting him under 300 carries um just to make sure he doesn't doesn't burn out um, but yeah, I, I mean, I would say my biggest, I, I'm not as convinced about Biotish, I think, as, as you are, it sounds like. I'm, I'm not worried that he's going to miss a hundred snaps like Connor Williams did, but I'm a little concerned about his health. Um, just, he's got a history of, of bad health and I, I don't trust Connor Williams as a backup center. So I'm worried about that position and depth, and you know I, I don't think he'll be terrible, but I also don't think he'd be. I, I'm not convinced he's going to be anything more than like than that, not terrible, which is not what you want. It, it, he's not going to tank our O line, I don't think. But um, but then you know Connor Williams at left guard, he. He definitely took a step up last year, but um, I'm I'm very interested in the tight end battle, see how that shapes out, and the left guard battle between Kyron Williams and Connor McGovern, because Connor McGovern has been far more consistent, it seems like, in this preseason than Kyron Williams. And granted, he's been asked to play one position as opposed to two, which I, I think that's really, we've really kind of done Kyron Williams a disservice in that regard um but but still i am curious how that'll shape out i think one of those two will will hold down the guard spot um and then yeah after that it just comes down to health um are we are we gonna go through the 53 man roster tonight i wasn't playing on it tonight um probably next next episode would be the one um but um but yeah, definitely, we'll we'll be doing that. I, I think um, I was glad that Ty Nishki, the free agent signing, he graded out a little better last game than he had the first couple. Um, so I, didn't I'm, he play right guard though? I mean, didn't he play right tackle? Um, not sure. Check. Um, I mean, in either case. I, I think he's going to be our our third 
tackle, and I and I think he's going to be an upgrade over the guys we have. I know you're, I think, higher on uh, Brandon Knight. And one thing that was kind of interesting, Brandon Knight played right guard, I know. Right, yeah. And he didn't do so great at it. I, and, and that's kind of odd to me. <laughs> like, if you're going to try him at anything, why not, like, center? Right guard, I mean... Maybe maybe it's in the contingency where you know Zach Martin has to move to right tackle if Lyle Collins get hurt gets hurt I don't know, um, but uh, yeah he but he didn't he didn't grade out very well, um, but yeah I, I mean yeah he did you're right he was right right tackle and this guy Matt. Farniok, he he actually did all right this time. He's been, from my memory, pretty. Yeah, he started out pretty awful the first game, but he's he's done better the last two. So I I prefer him to Connor Williams if if Connor well, Williams is starting. Right, right. Um. So yeah, I, I think um, the one thing I'm. You know, it's obviously very limited sample size, one game. But Tyron Smith has been kind of trending, it seems like, towards a guy that is far better as a... Now, this is his just preseason. A guy who's far better as a pass blocker than a run blocker. Um, And he's, he's shown that in or he showed that in limited snaps uh, this last game. And I think that could, you know, you think Lyle Collins and Zach Martin are a pretty good duo in the run game on the right side, but I think that's something that gets kind of overlooked with Tyron Smith. He used, you know, in his prime, like 2015, that was the last year he graded above an 80 as a run blocker and he has steadily declined every year since then to where last last time or last year which albeit in limited snaps he was a below average run blocker still very good in pass protection he's never really been uh, you know anything but very good at worst as a pass protector but but that's something to that that wouldn't shock me if he continues that trend um, as a run blocker, and and I don't know if that I don't know if that's that big of a deal if he, if he continues to be an elite pass flat pass blocker and is not great against the run uh, blocking the run, then he used to be great against the run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was. I, I think a big part of that that waste of a season where we we had probably the best o-line in football and that was his best season from a pff grade standpoint when uh you know we had no quarterback in 2015 and and we got darren uh darren mcfadden a thousand yards coming off a a garbage string of years in in oakland um but yeah i mean it's something to monitor. I, I think of like David Bakhtiari for the Packers. He's maybe an even more extreme example because he's probably the best pass blocker 
at the position right now, but he's never been a great run blocker. Um, and that's worked out pretty well for the Packers. So it's something I'm keeping an eye on, um, especially after his, his performance against the Texans. But still, as long as he's healthy, that's... <laughs> That's far better than anyone else we're going we've got on the roster. Um, so, as far as like uh, going with looking at hard knocks, um, I do I did like how um, this last episode they had a lot more focus players of focus and a lot more diverse focus as opposed to all stars Dak Zeke you know Mike Parsons this one they they got into you know um Amukumara I think his name was the edge rusher um and and that's what they've done in in past years and and that you know I'm I know uh, I know Dak and Zeke already I like there's not a whole lot you're gonna teach you've never seen you've never seen Zeke wrap a birthday gift though that's true. That is true. That really changed my my life. Seeing that, um, but but yeah, I mean, I know you were. What are your thoughts of the last episode? Because you were pretty. I thought it sucked. Yeah. I thought both episodes sucked. I think they're poorly produced. They're poorly thought out. They're poorly directed. They're very boring, and uh, they don't. They don't. They're not going to provide any real insight into the team. Teams aren't going to give in, aren't stupid enough to give away any secrets, or you know, and, yeah. and I just didn't find them very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I liked mean, it more Mara, than the first I mean, one. You know, there's always somebody from another country who came here, and you know, after a civil war in their country, and they came here to play football. And you know, I'm tired of it. Um, I, I think the they shy away from the real issues. They shy away from the question of the Tony Pollard versus Zeke Elliott battle. They shy away from the C.D. Lamb versus Amari Cooper battle, the Blake Jarwin versus Dalton Schultz battle. They shy away from things like that. Well, beyond that, and, and you know, I would figure they're not going to be like, well, we're thinking C.D. Lamb's the starter now. But what I w- really wanted to see, because we, I've been hearing about it, is C.D. like C.D. Lamb versus Trayvon Diggs like apparently those two they you know they go at it they they talk shit to each other and that's kind of what the the show's about it's like bringing you know this I don't see many hard knocks on it right well and yeah it's it's not the it's not the insider info that i want and and i'm i'm think i'm realistic that i'm not gonna expect to see you know super high level you know game plans and stuff but you know trayvon Diggs talking shit to c lamb is that too much to ask i feel like that's not gonna give away a whole lot of i'm not impressed by mccarthy i mean yeah i'm supposed to be impressed by somebody uh, that was He's not somebody that I'm impressed by. He doesn't. He doesn't seem like he's the most intelligent mind in football. Right. He won a Super Which, Bowl because of Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' Super Bowl. Well, I think Aaron Rodgers and, and Charles Woodson on the defensive side. Like, I think of, and and Grant. I think he was a far better coach. But I, I think of Tony Dungy. He was kind of a player's coach, and and we've talked a lot about you know Jason Garrett and now Mike McCarthy. 
um, as not these, you know, the, not the Jimmy Johnson, not the fire and, you know, brimstone type of guys. And, you know, Tony Dungy, I think, is, is a good example of a guy who who was a player's coach that worked. I think he, you know, I read in a book he was very big on on habits. I think he had a good structure, which I'm not convinced McCarthy has, you know, this. He, he definitely sold the Joneses that he had the, the master plan, but I, I'm not convinced that he actually does. Um, so beyond just the super, you know, intelligence or super, uh, I don't know, systematic side, um, it was the, the players. Like, you know, with Tony Dungy, you had Peyton Manning on one side of the ball. On the other side, you had, like, Dwight Freeney and Bob Sanders. You had these veteran presences with the Packers, it was Aaron Rodgers, and then on defense, it was Charles Woodson, um, one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time, who had never won a Super Bowl. Like, I think those, they kind of, you know, I give, you got to give some credit to the coach, but um, I, I, I would give less credit to McCarthy because of those players. Um, and, and I don't, I'm not convinced we've got that presence on this current team I, I think you got to give a lot of credit to you know it is preseason but Michael Parsons as a player looks to be everything as advertised um, but I don't it, it remains to be seen whether he is you know the leader as well if, if he can elevate the guys around him and, and get them to play better um, I will say the, you know, looking at the grades for the linebackers, this was by far the best that Jalen Smith has performed, and Van Der Esch turned in another solid game. So, and you know, Jabril Cox has been very solid throughout the year. So they've got they've got Micah Parsons and Ken O'Neill seemingly as the starters. Yeah, because they're they're looking at it as you know their nickel is going to be their right. basically their their base, and then they have something called a strong nickel. Um, but it looks like that uh, Parsons and Neal have won the starting jobs, but they're going to use the other guys too. Right. That would have been something interesting for HBO to probe too. That's... Was the you know not just the emergence of Micah Parsons, but what it, you know Can O'Neal coming in and and you know the two incumbents. Yeah. Getting, you know, they've basically lost their jobs. Yeah. They were all over the place a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, now they're not. And I thought it would have been neat to uh, compare uh, um, the rookie cornerbacks, too. Yes. That, that was, that's something that I really hope they get into is, is Kelvin Joseph and Nashawn Wright. Um, and that's, that's one thing where, uh, you know, Maurice Kennedy, I, I still feel pretty good about my my prediction that, that Maurice Kennedy ends up as our, our best-graded cornerback. He had another good game, but the, the rookies definitely took their lumps in this one. Um, Nashawn Wright and, and Calvin Joseph. Um, yeah, that that's... Even if they were lights out, I would still expect us to get lit up 
by the Bucks, but yeah, that's I mean, that's the biggest question. They, you know, I think it's possible that improved safety play is going to help these corners too. If if yeah, they've got Donovan so. Wilson, you know we know is a solid player, but they've got um, Malik Hooker out there now, and they've got uh, Casey, so. It looks like they've well. improved the safety position quite a bit, and that could help the corners a lot too. Yeah, and I think the scheme that this is the big, and I will say, as much as I've been unimpressed by Mike McCarthy, I have been impressed by Dan Quinn. And you know, am I impressed enough? I mean, even if he he, you know, for a top ten defense, I don't know if that's enough for me to think that he's a head coach I, I think we talked about this at the hire there's there's certain guys that are good great coordinators and just can't be a good head coach and and right. you know Dan Quinn might be one of them but I have been impressed by his kind of demeanor and, and his passion I'd, I'd say um, much more more so than than McCarthy, they haven't really gotten a whole lot into Kelvin uh, Kellen Moore. Um, they haven't spent nearly as much time on him as as Dan Quinn seems like. Um, but but yeah, I mean, the scheme is a huge factor of defensive performance. It's not going to take you from god awful to elite, but it could it could take a a team like the Buffalo Bills is a, is a good example where really if you look at their roster top to bottom they've got one really good corner Tredavious White and then that's pretty much it everyone else is like you know average to you know to below average and they turned in a, a middle of the pack defense last year again not elite but um, I think their scheme has a lot to do to do with it I think the Chiefs uh, Steve Spagnola, I think, is the defensive coordinator who was great for years of the Giants. I think he's been a big part of, of them taking that step from an amazing offense in 2018 that couldn't stop uh, Brady at all in, in the championship game to back-to-back Super Bowl appearances because of a lot to do with scheme. You, you give some players the credit but i think the the defensive scheme if it's done right can make it a lot easier on cornerbacks and and in dan quinn's scheme specifically i think that's what it's designed to do um that was always the kind of beef darrell revis and richard sherman had was revis was asked to do more and and i think that's that's factual whether you want to you know, completely throw out what Richard Sherman accomplished because of scheme. I, I don't. I wouldn't go that far. But, um, but yeah, I, I think Dan Quinn. He should be if he if he's as good as as I'd like to think he is. He should make the job easier for our cornerbacks. And I was thinking about this this week. If you look at last year, the players on our roster. If you took the best season from every player, that's not a terrible defense. It, it's probably a pretty good defense, actually. Even guys like Don Terry Poe, um, 
like the year prior, he was he was not bad, and and a couple years prior, he was he was never elite, but he was he was definitely at least good, at least passable. Um, you know, obviously Jalen Smith, Leighton Vander Esch, um, with us, and and the cornerbacks. You know, Jordan Lewis has been solid. Anthony Brown has been solid. Chidobi Awuzie has been been solid in the past. Really, the only kind of unproven guys, and ironically, two of our best defensive players were Donovan Wilson and, and Trayvon Diggs. So that tells me there's got to be some element. I don't want to completely let guys off the hook, but there, there had to be some element of the scheme just getting the worst out of players. Um, really, the only guy who didn't have by far his worst season, I'd say, is Demarcus Lawrence and maybe Randy Gregory. Um, but, but yeah, so that's, that's kind of my, my hope with Dan Quinn is that he's gonna, you know, just get the best out of this unit, which I, I don't think is a top 10 defense, but I think is, it could be an average defense. And beyond Dan Quinn, I think how Micah Parsons can affect, there's two facets. I think how, if he hits his ceiling as a player alone, which is like elite, elite, immediately up there with Bobby Wagner and Fred Warner. Um, that that That's one thing. That'll certainly help. But if he can do that, plus be, you know, the Ray Lewis kind of vocal leader, then, then maybe we're talking about, you know, more than an average defense. Um, I, I think he's got that that potential, um, but but yeah, we'll see once the lights are on. He's I mean, I think this was his his game with the most snaps, and he had like eighteen. So we still need to see him in a full game before we're before it's fair to compare him to uh, one of the greatest linebacks of all time. But, I mean, it's safe to say the, the talent's there, and I think he at least has, you know, showed, shows some traits and some, uh, you know, desires to, you know, to motivate and, and be a, a leader on the defense and not just be a player. Um, right. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I think that's, you know, Dan Quinn's scheme and Micah Parsons, how can how close to his ceiling can you can you get those alone are gonna be a big you know a big impact to our defense um the the entire defense but um but yeah so i think um what are you looking for in terms of uh you know, the lat we've got one more preseason game. This is, I think, on was it Sunday against the Jaguars. Are there any players that you, you know, I know we'll probably talk next week about final roster cuts, but maybe are there a couple players that you think are kind of on the bubble that would, you know, push themselves into the make it category with a good performance? Or is it kind of set in stone oh, for you? I 
saying, well, you know, it seems based on the news that the backup quarterback situation is unsettled, yeah. which is unsettling. The battle between Garrett Gilbert and Cooper Rush, which I didn't think would be a battle. I didn't think Cooper Rush had a chance. I'm very skeptical of Cooper Rush. So far, he's had, what, one or two good quarters in all the time he's been playing football. Yeah. And I really think they need to look outside there. I'm going to stand by what I said, and I, this is something that they should have realized. They didn't need training camp and preseason to realize that they need a backup quarterback and that they need uh, a, a st- another a starter at quarterback who's better than Anthony Brown. Yeah. And they probably need a defensive tackle, especially now that Neville Gallimore is down. Uh, they fail, you know. They they're arrogant. They're inept. It's typical Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I've never heard Jerry Jones talk and walked away thinking this man was intelligent. Uh, he talks a lot of gibberish. He talks a lot of nonsense that's just designed to get him attention or to make him look uh, glamorous. And he really does not have a football mind at all. Um, and he rarely impresses me with his decisions. Uh, Will McClay is an overrated personnel guy, and I don't think he's bad, but I don't think he's as good as people think that he is. Yeah. And uh, they they need help at those positions. And, you know, if you're weak at the cornerback spot in today's NFL, you're in for a, a long, yeah. long, some long Sundays yep. and Mondays and Thursdays sometimes. Um, so, uh, and if you don't have a backup quarterback and something happens, you know, you're going to be in deep trouble. Uh, Andy Dalton performed pretty well last year, well enough to basically get a starting job with the Bears. Yeah. So uh, they they are they are needful, yeah. and it shouldn't have taken this long. But at the same time, they might be waiting for uh, guys to be released. I don't know if there's many guys out there that could help them at this point. They're going to have to wait for cuts to start occurring. They might have to wait till the final cuts. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think realistically we're going to get a quarterback on, on a cut that's that's better than the guys we have or, or noticeably better. Um, but I think maybe at cornerback. Cornerback's one of those positions where I feel like teams, that and O-line, I feel like teams, uh, you know, some teams totally misvalue those positions. Especially O-line. O-line, like, now there's guys on the waiver wire that should be starters for some teams. Um, probably not at center, but definitely guard and, and tackle. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think you could find a hidden gem at cornerback for sure, someone that I would prefer over Anthony Brown. Um, but, yeah, the quarterback position, I, I've, I've been <laughs> – I don't know. I I was semi hopeful for Garrett Gilbert. You know, he played pretty well in the one game last year, and and I you know I had class with him in college. It's a cool story. Um, yeah, you guys used to smoke uh, smoke weed together. Cut class. <laughs> yep, me and Garrett. The uh, yeah, in but fact, no, you, taught, you basically taught him how to play quarterback. Pretty much. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually not, not, not what you want. In, in for, if you're talking about his college career, his if I was his high school guru, that that would have been the accomplishment. But, but no, I mean his 
I, I still think he's got the best, like, pure arm and, and, you know, drop back, throw the ball. I think he's light years better than the other two. But his mental clock is terrible. It's like, it reminds me of Daniel Jones a little bit in that he, you know, he just has no sense of, of the pass rush and the situation, and, and, you know, he takes sacks and hits that he, he doesn't need to. Um, and Cooper Rush, no talent, but he is, to his credit, I think he's better in that regard. He's, he's a smarter quarterback. But, but, yeah, the guy has a noodle arm. Like, I could probably throw the football farther than him um, and with more velocity. Like, he... Ben I Nucci's just not going anywhere. Right, right. If you if you just put Ben Nucci's arm and and uh, you know speed on Cooper Rush, then then you got a, a pretty good backup there. But unfortunately, not an option. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely worried. If Dak goes down, I, I think we're we're looking at another 2015. I mean, last year wasn't great, but. Fans who haven't been fans that long, probably even if you've been a fan only since Dak and Zeke, which there have been a lot of bandwagon Cowboys fans that I know who jumped on at that time, you don't know what really bad quarterback play is. You're you're talking 2015, 2000, 2002, and and you see it. It watching these preseason games, it's it's painful to watch these especially Ben DiNucci but but at stretches Garrett Gilbert and and Cooper Rush um yeah I I mean I don't there's some people and most of these are like you know the dregs of online uh, you know sports journalism in quotes but there are people that are sounding the alarm that we're 0-3 in preseason and, and that doesn't matter to me in the slightest but it does it does confirm to me that quarterback after Dak is a a concern um I think Garrett Gilbert um I had you know some hopes that he could be he could take the the job and and show have a good showing in preseason and and he hasn't and you know, maybe that doesn't mean he wouldn't do well in a in a regular season game, but I, I certainly don't want to put all my eggs in that basket, especially if you have a chance to get, you know, like a Nick Foles or, or someone who who has at least some kind of track record. Um, but at the end of the day, if Dak misses any more than like one or two games where there's no scenario besides maybe Philip Rivers uh, coming out of retirement that doesn't end our season immediately. Yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, I'd like to see one of those backup quarterbacks put in a good showing in this this game. I, I figured, you know, against Houston of all teams, they might not win a game well, this year. I, I thought. Well, you know what's happening. Well, yeah, I mean, we can't, you know, we can't be too excited about scoring when we score 16 points against the Texans. 14, um, yeah. Uh, this, they, the preseason bothers me more than it bothers you. And um, 
the one guy that you asked about guys coming up is that your guy, the third-round defensive tackle, who might push Neville Gallimore for a starting job. Yeah. He didn't have as good of a showing this last game. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, he's... He had Better a, than Neville Gallimore. Well, not to... Not really... Uh, Gallimore wasn't ripping it up when he before he got hurt either. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I've, I, I'm a fan of, of O.C. and uh, Odigizua, I think... Let's let's look at a couple things. They hmm. they signed Brian Anger pretty late in free agency. Now he's a starting punter. Okay. They signed Malik Hooker very late in free agency, and he's probably going to wind up as a starting free safety. And in fact, they plan to play. I just read it read about this today. I, I assume it's true. What they call a strong nickel, where they have three safeties on the field. So I think okay. they want to take advantage of the new talent that they have at safety. And if the fact that they could get a Brian Anger pretty late and they could get a Malik Hooker really late, mm-hmm. Malik, and I think Malik Hooker's going to work out. Um, I think he's going to help us. Um, they, they really, really have to watch what teams are doing right now you know when the roster cuts start coming especially when they get down to that 53 yeah and they have to open up their wallets and they have to stretch that salary cap space and they have to address at least two positions quarterback and cornerback quarterback and cornerback maybe defensive tackle yeah. uh, but th- it definitely has to happen and if they can find a deep or if they can find another defensive end Terrell Basham is shit that's what I was thinking yeah yeah, after Greg, Randy Gregory played very well uh, in preseason, in his only preseason performance, and you know I'm not worried about Lawrence, but yeah, after that, it's a whole lot of question marks. And, and Dory, I was, you know, I've never liked him, but he he played so well. I was I was hoping Dorrance Armstrong would follow up his game, the game of his career with a impressive performance and and nope he was opposite end of the spectrum um even even bahana quentin bahana kind of uh regressed in this this last one um well i like bradley and i and rondell carter i think they're dark horses to make an impact this year yeah yeah bradley and i did did pretty well but um but still i yeah, there's no one that I feel that confident about. Um, you know, Terrell Basham, he's got the track record, but does I don't know. He's got a track record of being a passable, you know, third defensive end, which is more to say than you can say for any of these other guys, but still doesn't fill you with confidence about having a uh, you know. 90s Cowboys defensive end rotation. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we... I mean, I, th- I think if, at the end of the day, if we can get four guys that are... At least every one of them is decent as, as a starting unit, that's more than you can say for last year. 
um, especially at that interior. And um, yeah, we can, I think, work with that. But ideally, you want to be able to spell these guys. And, and Demarcus Lawrence, as good as he is, he's not a He's not like a J.J. Watt in terms of snaps. He's never been more than like a 700-snap uh, kind of guy. And so we, we need someone who can come in and, and be you know, worth a shit in like 300 snaps at least, um, if not more. Because Randy Gregory has never been a – he's never really had the opportunity, but – there, there's no track record for him whatsoever of being a, you know, an every down player. I think 2018, that was the closest. I don't know how many snaps he did in that year. Look that up. But, um, yeah, 457, that's not, yeah, that's, that's nothing. That's like, you know. That's splitting snaps, basically. That's half half of a season. At least Lawrence is like you know two thirds of the potential snaps. But but yeah, we're if you're looking at Randy Gregory's the most snaps he's ever played and the most snaps Demarcus Lawrence has ever played between the two, you've probably got at least seven hundred other snaps and who's the guy that's going to take them and do anything with them because I'm, I'm sick of of these these guys that just you know the quarterback drops back and and the guy runs right into the, the offensive tackle and doesn't come close and and yeah i feel like everyone on our team besides so those two is, last year yeah 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 so yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, but I want to see someone, you know, step up on the defensive line. Definitely, you know, it's not going to be the end-all, be-all, but if, if one of these defensive ends that's vying for that third spot, if one of them stands out in this next game, you know, that makes me feel a little better. Um, if, if, you know, these rookie defensive tackles, I hope, Odegi Zuo can bounce back. I hope Bohanna can bounce back and, um, you know, show that they can be impact players their first year. And then the cornerbacks. I, I want to see. I want to see someone that that can challenge Anthony Brown because he's a known. I had this conversation with someone online, and he was super down on Anthony Brown, and and I wasn't even really disagreeing with him. I was like, Anthony Brown, yeah, he's a, a known not good player, but he could be better than these rookie cornerbacks. That's that's the spectrum of cornerback play that's out there, especially for rookies. Um, and, yeah, I, I just want to see more evidence that one of these rookie cornerbacks is ready to step in and, and be uh, – you know, at least a passable starter. That's all yeah. we need in a in Dan Quinn's scheme is just do your job and don't just don't be terrible. And that be terrible. that'll be better than than what we had last year. So, but yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. What, hap- I've what got. happened with the punter Hunter Nyslander? 
he hurt his back. Did he hurt his back doing kickoffs or uh, field goals? Because there's no way they should have had him doing those. They should have had another kicker in camp. That was completely unfair. I mean, if he got injured doing kickoffs or um, field goals, I'm going to be – that's that was egregious coaching error. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I didn't understand why why they were having him as the kicker when he's that's not his that's never gonna be his his strength. I, I was, you know, why not just go for it on fourth downs and, and practice that? But well, I mean, yeah, I thought off. that it was you know as a backup. You know, figure they'd already if something happened to Zerline, they already had a backup. You know, in I their punter, so. which is neat, which is a good idea, but I think that you need to have a kicker in camp rather than make Nyslander do all the punting and the kicking. Right. Yeah. And it was actually probably I don't know. Nyslander had a terrible first game. He had a good second game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, he did a nice job punt for us be... last year. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what did. this Brian Anger's all about. I mean, they're. They're all upgrades over Chris Jones. Chris Jones was, and Chris Jones was okay for a while, but toward the end he was maybe the worst punter in football. And, and these neither of these guys are are bad. They're, I think, uh, anger is like forty six yards per punt pretty consistently, which is like. But is Zerline going to be ready to kick, or is he going to be uh, hobbling around? Uh, that's I mean, a you question. Know. Yeah. That is a good question. And is the offense going to be, or you know, are they going to gel? Because they haven't had time as a complete offense. Yeah. Well, again, I'm I'm not. So we just we signed this guy, Liram Harju Hadru Hadru Yeah. Just call him kicker. Liram. Uh, yeah. So CFL guy. We we didn't have enough great experiences with uh i already forgot his name brett maher we had to bring in another cfl guy um but at the end of the day i I think we'll be fine at kicker it's but yeah the, the it's a fair question whether the offense will gel and i you know if it doesn't gel week one that's not the end of the world because i thought i thought all along we're gonna lose to tampa no matter what but it's it's got to cl- start clicking pretty soon after that. I think the next week, San Diego is a very win- winnable game, and certainly Philadelphia, that's when we've got to win. Like, yeah. especially if you're penciling in a week one loss, um, you got to be able to beat what appears to be the worst team in your division. Um, and I think it's even at home too. But um, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what what we've got in this last game, and uh, yeah, I think next week will be our uh, breakdown of the final fifty-three roster. So um, yeah, hopefully we'll see some some performances that uh, help cement some guys' places there. But uh, but yeah, thanks all for tuning in this week, and until next week, we'll uh, sign off.